turn your Bibles, if you have today, uh, to Mark chapter 9 and Mark chapter 10. Uh, we are just working our way through Mark as we see exactly who Jesus is. And it's amazing all the things that he teaches us. I find in the book of Mark that when Jesus does a miracle, he's telling us something awesome about himself. When Jesus teaches his disciples, he teaches us something very important about us. And this is one of those times he's going to teach us something very important about his disciples and, and, and who we are. I, I, I had teacher conferences last week, which was good. I like going to parent-teacher conference at the school. I like to find out if my kids are weird, really. I don't care if they've done work or not. I'm, I'm really not interested in whether they behaved. I just want to know that they get along with the other children. Okay, they're in elementary school. No transcripts are ever going to go anywhere. I just want to know that they're normal. Well, they ended up doing okay. And it reminded me of, of years ago, my parents came home after a parent-teacher conference for me. And, and I said, how'd it go? Because I, I wasn't invited. The kids didn't go at that time. They said, you didn't go. They talked about you without you present, which was terrifying. I said, how'd it go? And our sci my science teacher looked at my parents and said, I just love Matt. He said, he just, he just is, is a good student, and he is always trying to make people laugh, always telling a joke. And I thought, that's right. Yes, I am. That's good. But he didn't stop there. He said, and the great thing about Matt is that even when his jokes bomb and nobody laughs, he just keeps going. <laughs> and he told my parents this, and then my parents, being jerks, said it to me. Now, I know he meant that as a compliment. I'm old enough now to know that was a compliment. But at that time in my life, I was horrified because I thought everybody laughed at my jokes all the time. In fact, Gina said to me this week, did you like Sienna's teachers? I said, yes, I did. They laughed at my jokes. Did I not say that? It had nothing to do with the sermon, but it's true. Anyhow, it's, 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 it's amazing what we will do to get noticed, isn't it? What we'll do to feel important in this life. Not everybody does it through jokes. Different people do it through their hobbies or through their work or through their job. But we all want to feel important. We all want to be recognized for our achievements. We all, we all want to think that our life is meaningful. We, we all want to make the most of this life. We want people to know us for something that we did. Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's our garden. Maybe it's just it, it's something else. But we want to be known. We want to be important. And the disciples had the same thing going on in their life. They wanted to be known. They wanted to be important. They wanted to be perceived as great. And Jesus is going to become aware of this desire that they had to be great. And instead of rebuking them for having this desire, he actually embraces it. He says, you want to be great? I'm going to tell you how. So today we're going to look at what Jesus told his disciples. And we're going to see the difference between being a person of importance and being what Jesus calls a person of greatness. And here's the good news for you. You can be great. You're like, what is this, a Tony Robbins conference? No, it's not. You can be great. And it has nothing to do with your talent, has nothing to do with your treasure, and has nothing to do with how smart you are. You can live a great life that is perceived as great and is great. But you've got to get on board with what Jesus teaches us today. Because I do want you to lead a great life, and so does he. Look at verse 33 of chapter 9. We're going to be reading about Jesus and his disciples. Jesus and his disciples came to their home base of Capernaum, and while they were in the house, he asked them, hey, what were you discussing on the way here? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. <laughs> and he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking this child in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him 
who sent me. I love this story. The disciples are so stinking human. They are hanging out with Jesus. They are doing great miracles. They are doing awesome things. And the natural outflow of that is, I'm the greatest disciple. And they're arguing about it. They want to be known as the man. And Jesus knows what's going on. He hears it. And he gets back to that. And he goes, what is it you guys were talking about? And they're like, we're not going to say anything. You know that this is wrong, and the reason you know that this is wrong is because you were raised in a post-Christian culture. You know that people should not be arguing who the greatest is. You know that that's not normal, and the reason you know it is because of the Scripture, because of Jesus. Because in the ancient world, this would have been perfectly acceptable. This would have been okay to be this way. You wanted the place of prominence at the head of the table. You wanted people to go, oh, look, so-and-so's here. We are blessed with their presence. You wanted to be that person. That was normal in the ancient world. You wanted the title. You wanted the power. You wanted the prominence. You wanted to be seen. It was absolutely normal. The only reason that we chafe at this is because we have been raised in a culture that still had a few Christian ethics that, that, were, that were passed down to us. Now, the disciples had every reason to be haughty, right? They had preached the gospel. People had listened. They'd done miracles. They'd cast out demons. And they also had severe Grover Dill syndrome. Say, what's Grover Dill syndrome? Do you remember a Christmas story? Some of you are about to watch it on Christmas. A Christmas story, and there's the mean guy, Scott Farkas, red hair, yellow eyes, coonskin cap, terrible braces, and he beats up on Ralphie and the gang. Scott Farkas is out there, and he's being mean to everybody, and he's scaring people, he's beating them up. And then it says, and he had a little toady named Grover Dill. Grover Dill might have been 4'7". Grover Dill was a small, little person, but he was with Scott Farkas, and he thought that he was awesome. So Scott Farkas would scare all the kids in the neighborhood, and then Grover Dill would go, roar, and all the kids would, ah, they'd run. These disciples are with the Son of God. It's so much better than Scott Farkas. They are with the most awesome person who's ever lived, so naturally they think they're awesome too. Are you catching it? So they're with Jesus, they, they've had some accomplishments, and so it's natural for them to argue that, hey, we're going to change the world, which one of us is foremost? And Jesus hears this, he sees this, and interestingly enough, Jesus does not rebuke them. There's other places in the scripture where it says Jesus rebuked somebody. He does not rebuke them. He doesn't tell them off. He doesn't tell them they're wrong. Instead, he redirects their desire. He sits down, because that's what rabbis did. They sat down to teach. I tried it one time. It just felt unnatural. But anyhow, sits down to teach. And he says, guys, here's the thing. If you want to be first, you've got to become last. And you have to be a servant of all. Now, this would not have hit their ears as something normal. It sort of hits us as normal. We've been taught servant leadership in our leadership courses. Once again, it's a Christian ethic. This is not the way the world actually works. This is something to aspire to, but this is not something they would have received. They wanted to be the one who wanted to walk in the doors, and people go, wow. They wanted to be the ones with titles and, 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 and authority. And Jesus says, no. The real way to be great is to make yourself last and become the servant of all. And then Jesus does one of, one of the, his favorite things. Jesus teaches a parable right in front of their eyes. He does a parable right there. He calls a kid over. has to be a little kid because it says he took that child in his arms. And he said, whoever receives this kid, it's as if you've received me and as if you've received God in, in his heaven. That's, that's what it's like. Now, there's two different ways to use the word receive, right? Some, receive is to receive, take something from someone, but that's not the context here. That's not what Jesus is saying. This is receive like I received them into my home. I showed them hospitality. 
I shook their hand in the receiving line and thanked them for the gift, right? This is the reception of honor and esteem and hospitality. And this was a big statement in the ancient world. In the ancient world, hospitality was huge. When you invited somebody into the home, you made sure their feet got washed. And like, I have never like done this, but I, in the ancient world, you would have. Like, like I have cologne. I sprayed it on this morning. She goes, oh, you smell nice. You would take your most fragrant, expensive oil, and you'd anoint them with it. And I don't know if that implied that they stunk, but that's what you did. Well, I'm not spraying my reaction thermal on you, but this is what they would do when they'd come in the house. It was a way to honor somebody. You washed their feet. You anointed them with oil. And you gave them a place of prominence at the table. And Jesus said, do all of this for a toddler. And then you'll understand what it means to be last and servant of all. Now, this was a time in history where children were to not be seen and not be heard. Like, like t- today we say children seen, not heard. Children were just property. They were not considered important. They were, co- they were slightly better than a slave. And Jesus says, would you serve this child as you would serve me? Then you'll be great. Now, some of you are wondering right now, is this one of those new age sermons where kids rule the world? No, this is not what we're saying here. Jesus is using a parable. He's making a point. He's asking his disciples, would you be willing to humble yourself in such a way that you would serve someone of like zero account by worldly standards? In that case, you would be great. You see, the problem for most of us is, is that we do want to be great. We do want to be important, but, 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 but we really just want to be perceived as great. We really want to be perceived as important. It's all about perception. And what are the disciples really arguing about, about who's the greatest? They want somebody to recognize them as being the greatest. And if they're the greatest, and if they're recognized as the greatest, what comes with that? What comes with it? What are the disciples after? What's the goal of saying, I'm the greatest? No, I'm the greatest. What's the goal? To be recognized as the greatest? To be given the respect of the greatest? And perhaps if they're sinners like you and me, to receive the rights of the person who is the greatest. Those three R's, those three R's of importance are what the disciples are after. And Jesus turns these three R's on their head and says, you want recognition, you want respect, you want rights, I'm going to show you what it means to be great. This shouldn't become as a huge surprise to us. All of us are after recognition on some level, are we not? I mean, my kids are after recognition all the time. They run up to me, they call her something, they run up on the paper, Daddy, look at this! I'm like, that is a lovely horse, way to go. They're like, it's a castle. I'm like, that is a lovely castle, a horse castle, right, right. I lie to my children, I'll admit it. That's a lovely horse castle, love it. We want this recognition, Daddy, I got this award at school. Daddy, I did this, Daddy, I did that. Daddy, look at me, Daddy, listen to me. Daddy, 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 and they want this recognition. We want this as we become teenagers, too. You know you want this when you become a teenager, except recognition becomes a little bit different. You look at your parents, don't talk to me. You want other people around you to think you're awesome. And the mo- best way to do this if you're a teenager is to hang out with cooler people than yourself. Oh, admit it, you know it's true. You hang out with cooler people than yourself, and then what do you do in this day and age? Take a picture of you with that person, post it on whatever it is you post on, and they're like, look, that person obviously is awesome because they're with awesome people. We want this recognition all the time. And as we become a little bit older, I was a young adult pastor for years. Young adults do this in a different way. It's not who I was with. It's what I was doing. Look at me scaling the peaks of Mount Kilimanjaro. Aren't I an awesome 20-year-old? 
Look at me. I had an awesome time at Sled Riding Fest 2019. You know, we, we just post everything. Aren't we awesome because of what we did? We're still after this recognition. And then as adults, people are like, they love their wardrobe. They love their purses. They love their garden. They love their manden. They love their television. They, they love their car. Recognize me. Look at me. But the interesting thing about recognition is the older we get and the more we want people to recognize us, the more it wears thin on the people around us. Like, it's cute when a kid goes, recognize me. It's not so cute when a 70-year-old does. Sorry, Lowell. <laughs> and we'd actually have to add about a half a dozen to get to the right number. Anyhow, it's not so cute when adults are constantly seeking that affirmation, that recognition, that adulation, is it? Do you know somebody like this? They're, look at me, look at me, look at me. Constantly needing to be seen for what they're doing and what they've done. It wears very thin. It's the opposite of being important. It's sort of being sad. And Jesus turns this whole thing on its head. He says, you don't need to be recognized by man. In fact, you should humble yourself enough by man that they would wonder why you would care about this child. They would wonder why you would recognize this child. The very next chapter, the disciples, they don't get it. The very next chapter is the let the little children come unto me chapter. Like he just says this, and then parents are bringing the kids to be blessed by Jesus, and they're like, don't bring those kids to Jesus. No, no, Jesus is too important for them. Can you imagine Jesus being like, I picked the dumbest disciples in history. I just showed them this. But you know what? I have to be honest. I'm just as dumb as they are. Like, like what the Lord shows me in Scripture one day is the, is the exact sin I do the next, you know? It, it's, it's like reinforcing that I am an idiot. So these guys don't get it. They don't get the, the, this idea that they should recognize persons of lower and low status, people that, that the world would say they add nothing to your status. Like, like who among us, when we're 14, would like get our camera out and take a picture with the nerdiest kid in school and then post it for the world to see? We wouldn't do that. Why? Because we would not want that level of negative recognition. Jesus is saying that's the exact person to recognize. Who among us would, 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 would want to spend time with and listen to the EGR in church? We had a trustee that didn't know what EGR is. Thankfully, we were able to tell him that's extra grace required person. Somebody that wears on you, somebody that, that, that wears thin on you, that's the person that needs to have someone look at them, look at them and see them as God's child. So to truly think about recognition in terms of how Jesus thinks of it, you have to look to heaven and say, not, not, hey, I recognize people so I'll be recognized, is that I will recognize people because as I do, I'm honoring you. What does Jesus say about that child? He says, if you receive him, you've received me. And let's double down, you've received my father as well, the one who sent me. Jesus is saying, if you love people this way, if you love the ones of no account, if you take an interest in them and ask questions about them and see them, and, and instead, of, instead of looking at other people in the world going, look at me, look at me, look at me, you're constantly looking at those and going, look at them, look at them, look at them, then you're great then you're great. There's a second R that I want to talk to you about, and the second R is respect. 
See, this is what the disciples are asking this recognition question for. If they can be recognized as the greatest, then people will respect them. And if people respect them, then they'll need to be listened to. Their word will be the word. Their take on things will be the take on things. This happens in our social circles from childhood on up, doesn't it? The most respected person in the group can go, hey, let's go jump off the high little bridge. And everybody's like, yeah, let's do it. The person who's the greatest gets to determine what you do. I watch this all the time. Anytime I'm at a high school football game, I watch this. I can tell you who the most respected person is because like, yeah, let's go stand by the concession stand. And all the other people are like, yeah, concession stand. And they all go over there. What, what is, what is, why do people want to be recognized as the greatest? Because they want the respect of people listening to them. Listen to me is what respect is all about. I have a voice and it should be heard. Respect me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I know something. I've achieved something. I've accomplished something. I've done something. I deserve respect. I deal with this with adult parents in the church all the time. They'll come and tell me, my kids don't listen to me. I try to tell them this, I try to tell them that, and they don't listen. And I make them so angry because I look at them and I go, you listen to them. And they'll say, no, I'm the parent. I'm old. I know something. I've been through it. They need to listen to me. And I'm like, they're never going to listen unless you listen to them. If you keep saying, I have a title, I have a position, and I am old, they should listen, good luck. Good luck trying to gather respect that people are not giving you. The only way to gather that respect is to give respect. People who understand respect from a heavenly perspective realize that it's not so much about people listening to you, it's will you listen to others. It gives you the in with them and allows them to actually hear something from you eventually. This is a problem we don't see it as human beings. We, we think because we've made some money, had some success, done some things, that people should listen to us. But some of the greatest people I know are the ones who will listen to others. They have the most influence. You know, Jesus asked 303 questions in the scriptures. 303. He came to this world to preach, to save those who were lost. Asked 303 questions. What does the Son of God need to ask humans anything for? What does he need our input about? Jesus took an interest in people, and they recognized it. And many ended up respecting him for it without him looking at them going, respect me. In fact, where does Jesus direct respect? To his Father in heaven. He's not even like, respect me. He's like, no, respect him. And that's what followers of Jesus Christ do. This is what disciples do. Number one, they respect and listen to others because they're respecting and listening to their Father. And they're pointing to Jesus. They're pointing to the one above them, and they're listening to the ones below them. The other day I was working here at the church and, and it just so happened that the only time that my kid had available for that teacher conference was 3.05 in the afternoon. That is the worst. That's when we in the office, it's true, we get the most done in the late afternoon, don't we, Otto? That, that's the time. Most of the folks who have come in and, and, and talked to you in the, in the morning and then the afternoon, you got study time. And I want to tell you, about 2.30 I was working on something brilliant. Something that was going to change the world forever. And I told my daughter, I said, you know what, I'm going to be home by 2.45 because she had mentioned to me on at least three occasions how important this conference was to her because this was the first year she was going to present to me. 
So I sat there, the teacher sat there, and she was going to have to present to me. And she said, I'm nervous, but I'm looking forward to it. And she said, I'm really looking forward to conferences. So I said to her, honey, and, and of course my wife prompted me, listen to her, you know, because wives pick up on things we men don't pick up on. Men don't be dumb, listen to your wives. Side sermon. Anyhow, so I picked it up because it was important. So I said, honey, listen, I know it's in the middle of my work day. I will be home at 2.45. We'll have plenty of time to get up to the school, and then we will go for your conference. Well, at about 2.30, that plan was beginning to become naught because I was working on something awesome. And I thought to myself for a split second, I thought, you know what? I'm going to work till 2.45, and I, I still have plenty of time. I will race home, and I will pick her up, and we will get back up to the school in plenty of time. And the Holy Spirit inside of me says, get out of here right now. Drop what you're doing and go do what you're supposed to do. So I left when I told myself that I was going to leave, when I told her I was going to leave. We went up to the school, and we had plenty of time. In fact, we didn't need to be there that early. I looked at pictures of pumpkins and cats in the hallway. (laughs) Complete waste of my time. But if I had gone the other way, what would I have been saying to my daughter without words? You know what, honey? I can be late because my job is more important than you. I'm an adult, so I get respect, and you don't. And you don't understand these things because you're, you're just a kid, but we are fine on time, and you don't matter as much as I matter. You say, would she have picked up on all that? Kids are smart. See, I had heard somebody who is less than me. I don't work for my daughter. For another nine years, she works for me. But I'll tell you what, respect is listening to others rather than putting yourself in a position of pride. I didn't need to say, listen to me, honey. I I told you I'd be home, but you know what? We're fine on time. You don't need to worry. Daddy was working. Didn't have to do that. Because I let my own respect for my own self go down a little bit so my respect for my child could go up. People who respect, listen to God. The Holy Spirit spoke in my heart, and they listen to others. Final thing is rights. Final R. You see, if recognition is look at me, and respect is listen to me, rights are do it as I said it. Do as I say. My way is best, and it is the way. And this is what happens when we beget to, when we beget to have success. We begin to have some money. We begin to have some power in this life. And we start to believe that we have a right to have it our way. And Jesus knew that his disciples were susceptible to this. I told you to put a finger in chapter 10. Flip over one page, chapter 10. The very next chapter, the mother of two of his disciples comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can one of my sons sit on your right hand and can one of them sit on my left, sit on your left? And Jesus is like, oh, we just talked about this. Jesus has to teach them the same lesson again, but now he has to give them the why. Look at verse 42 of chapter 10. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. What is Jesus saying? When the day comes when people are willing to follow you, when the day comes when you come into authority, when the day comes for you to prosecute your rights, lay them down. 
It's not about people doing it your way. People who think they have a right to have it their way are some of the greatest monsters on earth. I'm calling myself a monster. Because that Matt that needs things to be a certain way and run a certain way and happen a certain way because he knows best is the worst version of me. Jesus says if you come into authority and people follow you and people respect you and people listen to you and people recognize you, lay down your right to rule over them. Look at the rest of verse 43 and following. He says, not so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. And here's the why for all of this. It's not nebulous. It's not, it's not weird. It's not out there. This is the why, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why do we turn the paradigm of importance over to greatness? Why do we not worry about recognition, not worry about respect, not worry about our rights? Because at the end of the day, this was the path to greatness for Jesus. Jesus was not recognized by those who should have recognized him. Jesus was not respected by those who should have respected him. So ones who should have seen him and given him accolades rejected him. Ones that should have listened to him and respected him didn't listen to his message. And instead of giving him his full right as the son of God and lifting him onto a throne, they lifted him onto a cross. And we think we have rights. We think we should be respected. We think somebody should look at us. And Jesus said, I came for none of these things. I came to ransom men and women for God. What what is a ransom? It is a payment for somebody who is in bondage to be set free. And Jesus said, for those who are in debt and enslaved to sin and death, I give up my life that they can be saved. That's the why. That's the why. We don't, we don't give up everything in this life of recognition and, and rights and, and respect because we just want to be perceived as great. That can work against our, itself, can it? Can't we, can't we be so humble we're not really humble? Can't we, can't we work on being so good that people think we're great just because we're kind? Or is our desire to, to point recognition to God, to point respect to God, to give up our rights for God, to point recognition at other people, to, to listen to others and give them respect, to lay down what's easy for us for their right to know God? If that is our aim, that is greatness. Greatness is not that we became nice, good people who washed feet. Even Jesus washing his disciples' feet was a parable to show them, if it means you coming to God, I will humble myself even to this point. How far are we willing to humble ourselves that men and women may come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? That 
is the question. For the Son of Man, Jesus himself didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the context. And that is greatness. The reason we sang to Jesus this morning and raised our hands and clapped and yelled out worship choruses was because we know the greatest person who's ever lived. And the greatest person who ever lived, he didn't pursue importance. He pursued greatness. And I want to be like Christ, don't you? I want when I die for people to say he laid down his life so that others might live. He gave of himself so that others might come to know Jesus because that is the greatest gift that we could ever give another human being. Who are you recognizing today? There is someone in your life right now that no one else is recognizing, no one else is respecting, no one else is giving time of day to you lay down your life for that person so that they might know Christ. There's somebody that no one's listening to that you could lend an ear. Would you lend your ear if it meant that they could come to know Jesus as you have? Maybe there's someone who has no power, no authority, nothing. Their life has been ripped from them in every figurative way possible. Would you lay down your life? Would you give of your time and your treasure and your talent that they might know that there is a God who loves them and sent his son to ransom them for God? That's the why. Let us lay down importance and seek greatness in the face of our Savior. You can be great. You can be great because he is great and you can point people to him. Let's pray. Maybe as we were talking just a moment ago, there was somebody that you had come to your mind, somebody for you to recognize, someone for you to respect someone that you'd be willing to sacrifice your life for that they might come to God. Let's pray for that person today. We'll pray for that person differently, though. We won't pray that in some strange fashion they will somehow perceive the love of God. Instead, we'll pray for that person that we will be the vessel brings them to God. That's how we'll pray. We'll pray that we might recognize them, that we might respect them, that we might esteem them, that we may lay down our rights that they might know their Lord. Can we pray in that vein today? And for some of you, there's somebody on your heart so strong right now that I would invite you to humble yourself even at this moment. This has nothing to do with with church. This has to do with a, a, a statement of humility between you and God. If there's somebody that you are praying for hard today, 
and you're willing to lay down your life for them, I want you to show your seriousness to the Lord about that. Would you just kneel either in your seat right where you're at? And if, if you don't have the ability to kneel, just lift two hands to God. You can do it right now. This isn't for me. I'm not looking around to be like, wow, they knelt. I'm look, let's just say physically what's going on in us spiritually. People are kneeling, hands are going up all over this place. You want them to know, God, 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 I will lay down my life if that's what it takes. All of my need for recognition and rights and respect, I'll lay it down. Well, people of God, let me pray for you and with you. Heavenly Father, there are people that need to know you. People who are far from you. People who by this world's standards are of little account. But not to us, Lord. We want to receive them the same way that you receive that child into your arms. We want to give them a sense of just how much they are loved and cared for in the name of Jesus Christ. We want them to know you. We want them to see you for who you are. We want them to know a God who was so humble that he would give up his life for others. We want them to know you because you are the greatest gift that any human being could ever receive. Lord, we submit our lives today. We'll do whatever it takes that they might come to know you. Wherever you call, wherever you lead, whatever you say, we will do it. Make us like you. Make us obedient to the Father's will. Ready to be scorned and mocked and ridiculed if need be. Ready to be disrespected and disenfranchised if it means that someone may come to know their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our heart today, Lord God. It's our cry today, Lord God. And we make it to you because we know you. We know that you are good. And we know that they need to know you. Help us, Lord, to lay down our importance and take up the greatness to which you have called us, the greatness by which we look like the Son of God, not divine, but as servants. We pray these things today in Jesus' name.